Hello. Hey, Andy. Hey, Matt. I wanted to chat quickly about this podcast series we're doing for Adobe Max 2021 with the themes all about positivity. Not probably been my strong point in the past. Really? Um, and in fact, I'm, I'm, I know that in my own job right now, I'm about to go through quite an admin heavy period, which I don't feel particularly positive about. No. It's, you know, it's interesting to have to kind of make yourself find the good in things, which I guess a lot of that comes down to gratitude. And it makes me think of, you know, Never Not Creative Circles, which we've been running together. Yeah, we have. And how, you know, when, you know, whether it's been me or you or, it, or someone else in the group who's struggled with finding some sort of positivity, that we've actually been around for each other. And normally someone reaches out and then we talk about, you know, how to, how to find the good in things. And I think, you know, gratitude in whichever way you try and find it is quite a nice way to look at things more positively. So um, mm. I'm pretty grateful for, you know, your involvement in Never Not Creative Circles and like the, a shout out to the rest of the group. Yes. Because it's been amazing to kind of be able to share some of that stuff with them. That was Andy Wright from Streamtime, good friend and supporter of ADR. If you haven't tried them before, you can get a free trial and a 20% discount by going to www.streamtime.net slash ADR2020. Welcome to Australian Design Radio, a podcast seeking to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. As part of that, we acknowledge traditional owners of country and recognise their enduring connections to the land, knowledge and stories. I'm recording this on Gunnagara and Darug country and my episode's guests are on Gadigal land. We pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I'm your host, Matt Leach, and on this Adobe Max 2021 mini-series, I'm joined by co-host Samita Maharaj, Associate Design Director at RE and member of Never Not Creative Board. For this series, Adobe gave us access to their Australian design speakers for the upcoming Max conference. For anyone who doesn't know what Max is, it's an annual event showcasing inspiration and the latest in Adobe software. There are keynotes, workshops, and one of my favorite parts, sneaks which gives you a behind-the-curtain look at what new innovations are being cooked up by the Adobe boffins. Traditionally, Max is held in the States, but in 2020 it moved online, making it a real-time worldwide event with over 200 countries tuning in. It saw more than 21 million total video views, 11 days of content, 481 speakers, and this year promises to raise the stakes even further. So you can imagine our delight when we saw that ADR co-host alumni Josie Young was part of the Max lineup. Josie is well known in Australian design for being part of the core team of Christopher Doyle and Co., but has recently struck out on her own to be an independent designer of brands, websites, and copywriting. Josie's session at Adobe Max this year is called Notes on an Invisible Illness and Making Work Work for You, which goes into detail about being diagnosed with a chronic illness and how she's dealt with that. We discuss this, her move from CD and Co., and pick up on the conference's main topic for the year positivity. If you want to play along at home, you can see Josie's work at josieyoung.co and you can find all things Adobe Max at max.adobe.com. Now, there's been a few podcasts where you've delved into your background and how you got started in design. And I want to do a quick shout out to Design Atlas because there was a great biographical episode. We want to focus on your rebirth um, as an independent designer. And rebirth, I know, I said it. I said (laughs) it. I said it in the email. That's the wrong thing to say. And I just said it. But we want to have a look at like you as an independent designer, copywriter, general doer of things. It's been eight months since you moved on from Christopher Dorling Co. 
your new website's just launched. What's it been like? Um, it's been quite different, but it's been really good. When I finished up at CD and Co, I I didn't have a solid plan for what I wanted to do, and I was really fortunate in the sense that it's going to sound really weird saying it, but I was fortunate that I was made redundant because it gave me like the redundancy package gave me a little bit of room to not rush into the next thing. It was widely known in the studio that I was about to kind of look for the next thing. I was already looking for the next thing, whether that was freelance, whether that was another job, I kind of was just taking my time with it. So when I did move on, it, it kind of was a really nice process of just taking my time with it and not rushing into anything. I decided to go down the freelance route because I had a number of like interviews and chats with other agencies and studios about various roles. And I just wasn't for lack of a better word, vibing with another full-time role at that point in time. And I just wanted to give it a go on my own. And I kind of had the approach of let's do a mixture of freelancing in agencies a few days a week and trying to grow a bit of my own client base and just see where that takes me. And yeah, seven, eight months on, that's flown by. I'm now doing majority my own client work. I've really made a concentrated effort in the last month to not do freelance work in agencies because I was getting more of the other kind of work through the door. How did, how did you find the freelancing in the other agencies after being, you know, working with Chris and, you know, you guys worked so hard as well and it was such a tight team and then going into other agencies, what, what was that like? It's quite funny because I, I do think like my first job out of uni was with Chris and, you know, like you said, really tight, small team. We work really hard together. I did have these sort of preconceived ideas of what it would or wouldn't be like to work in other studios or agencies, but I tried to just completely let go of that because I'm like, look, I've met plenty of people in the design industry and everyone's pretty lovely. So I'm keen to just see how other places operate. And that's basically how it was. Everyone operates just a little bit differently, but also rather like largely the same as each other. I've got to work on some pretty cool projects with other agencies. Yeah, it was just interesting to see how other team dynamics and agency dynamics, big and small, worked. You said before how when you were working at CD and Co, you it was kind of known that you were going to leave. That strikes me as something that's kind of like unusual. That like everyone kind of knew that that and that you were going to leave, and that was fine. That seems quite different to other agencies where they hold on with like a white knuckle grip. I don't know if it's like just unique to CD and Co or my situation specifically, but. You know, I'd been there for five years and it was my first job out of uni and I'd always had quite open chats with Chris about, you know, what the next stage was. You know, I got to a bit of a stage, especially after lockdown, where I was starting to realise I needed something a little bit different from the work setup to look after my health. Being a small studio, like that couldn't really necessarily work as well as I needed it to there. So I started looking elsewhere and it was just like a nice kind of open approach to that. Obviously there were like kind of awkward moments in it, but it's always going to be a bit awkward and a bit bittersweet and a bit nice and all of those mixed emotions. But personally, like I told Chris about, you know, different interviews or whatever, as soon as I kind of knew about them because I wanted that transparency and I also wanted the support and that sort of stuff and like it had always been kind of like a two-way street with that stuff so that was the kind of approach to it. From the outside I mean it always looked like like we talked about being a tight team but like even more so like your friends and almost family so it seems 
it seems normal in that kind of scenario that it would be quite open and transparent. Yeah, definitely. And it wasn't all easy by any means, but um, there were definitely some hard discussions and sad moments and all of that. But that was the approach that I wanted to take with it. And so I did. And now now we're here. <laughs> so working at these different studios and agencies as well, has that helped you think about how you want to run your own thing? A little bit it has. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm running my own thing. I don't want to back myself into like a really tight corner there. It's really scary. <laughs> it's a really scary like zone that I'm in because I'm definitely like an independent designer. Like I've been approached a few times in the past couple of months for freelance work in agencies. And I'm like, technically I would be available, but I'm not doing that. But then I'm like, what am I doing? I don't really know. <laughs> Let's not put a label on it. Let's not put a label on it. Exactly. Thank you. I think it has helped in the sense that it's made me realize I don't necessarily at this point in time, like I'm not beholden to anything I'm saying really, because I'm just kind of like going with the flow at the moment. And I'm really like lucky to be able to do that. But yeah, it has helped me realize I'm not too keen on working in this sort of big agency space, you know, and this, this will come up a bit, a bit more later, but you know, my health really determines how I, how I lead things. So working full-time anywhere, big or small, just, the way the world is set up to work and it's not down to the individual agency because you know that comes from the top with that stuff it's just you're just not set up for success when you don't have you know um the body of someone who doesn't have chronic health issues basically so when did this first raise its head i guess is that a good way to say it yeah that's a good way to say it i think it was really in like 2018 that i really started to kind of like notice quite a shift in my body and my energy pain levels you know troubles with eating like food would just like set me off and I'd be in pain like all of that sort of stuff I've suffered with chronic migraines since I was like a kid and they kind of like peaked up and I was I had headaches every day and it was really bad and you know just to kind of give a bit of background I've got endometriosis which is when lining that's similar to the lining of the uterus grows elsewhere in the body it can literally grow anywhere in the body they've found it everywhere like on the brain on the lungs like absolutely everywhere um not in me but like just generally but you know i've had the surgery and it's been in some pretty shitty places and basically that causes constant pain and inflammation i've got fibromyalgia which is a body-wide pain condition the consensus is out on whether that's an autoimmune condition or a nervous condition i've got a nice little concoction of chronic illnesses that don't have a lot of research behind them so that was really fun it really read its head around 2018 because i had a change up of medication and it just became increasingly harder and harder to manage you know, I wasn't diagnosed with endometriosis until I had the surgery, which is the only way to diagnose it in 2019. And, you know, managing that and then also managing full-time work where, you know, I'm a very ambitious person and I've always been very like, work as hard as I can. And that those two things really didn't go together. So I think I'd spent a lot of time almost trying to like, not ignore the what was going on with my health, but manage it, but get it to a point where I could make it then fit into how I'd always worked. And that just isn't possible. Last year, I really started to kind of like shift my thinking around it, but it's really taken me until this year to know that I need to make things fit to my chronic health rather than to work. And 
from there, it's made things a lot easier. That sounds like such a journey. Like once you made that decision, did that feel right? Like, you know, when like life sort of like lines up and everything goes into sync, once you make a decision that feels correct, has, I don't know, has that come true? It wasn't necessarily that I made a decision because it's still something I'm like, did I make the right decision? Did I make a decision? Am I just rolling with it? And it's also something, and it's something I talked really openly to Chris about at the time was that like, I'm coming to terms with this sort of new body that I have to live with now and that it will keep changing too. And I'm like grieving who I thought I could be. Um, and I'm trying to figure out who I can be with this. So the decision-making was really like a slow process because I didn't know what was best for me and I didn't know how to do it and all of that stuff. So it, it was a really, really slow process. And I guess in terms of it clicking, it's only really starting to click in moments now, like in my heart of hearts, I'm still an quite ambitious person and I love what I do for work. So therefore I, you know, really want to work hard. So I still, even though I work for myself, I still have this thing where if it's 10 past nine in the morning and I haven't started work, I feel guilty. And I'm like, I work for myself. I like, this is fine. Like I can have a little bit more of a rest. And like this afternoon, I've been in quite a bit of pain this week and I just did not have any motivation and I needed to take a nap this afternoon and I felt so guilty about it. And it was like, I knew that we'd be doing this recording and I'm like, I know I've got to conserve some energy for that. So it's one or the other. I can't do a full day of work today and then do the recording tonight. So it's an ongoing process, I think, but it has clicked in a sense of like, okay, like I'm really lucky to be able to take my time in shifting things and learning as I go around what works for me. And I'll continue to do that really because things I think will inevitably keep changing. And thank you for being so honest and transparent about it as well. Cause I imagine there's many other people in the creative industries who are probably going through the same thing, but maybe aren't able to put it into words. So would, are you interested in becoming, I guess, a spokesperson for, for people who are going through chronic pain? I mean, I'm, more than happy to talk about it because it's, you know, it's my reality. And I think I wouldn't be talking about it like this if it weren't for those that came before me talking about it with such honesty as well. You know, like there's many people in the chronic illness and disability space who have shared their stories and talk so openly about their experiences. It's the reason, you know, it led me to diagnoses that I've got and to be able to like, you know, stand up for myself to medical professionals and, in workplace and so many different situations like I wouldn't be where I am today and being able to talk about it without seeing other people do that so it's kind of like a passing the baton and I totally acknowledge that not everyone can do that so you know as someone who has that platform and has a natural kind of like affinity for public speaking because I've done that in my design career so far it's only natural that I would be honest about you know, what's going on in my life because obviously your life is so hand in hand with your career in, in situations like this. I um I watched your your talk and it was like super eye-opening for me and really brave, seriously. It's the first time I had heard someone speak that openly and honestly about it. Yeah, no, it was really good. And I immediately came away with thinking like I, I wish more people were were talking openly about all the things that everyone has going on as well. It is really hard, like the Adobe Max talk that will come out 
October 29th, I believe. Let me triple check. Not that date. 28th, I was one day off. My talk goes live at 3.15 p.m. Um, But as big productions go, I've already written it, recorded it, submitted it like a month ago. The hard thing with that is that I wrote that talk and it took me such a long time to get it right because I'm like, I want to cover all of these things, but how do I do it? How do I also include practical tips for people? Because I don't just want to get on and be like, here's my story. Because I always think talks are most useful in those sort of, you know, environments where they are paired with, you know, practical tips. And because I also don't feel like the authority on that stuff, it also had to be loaded with a sense of like take this with a grain of salt it's a very hard balance to strike you've you've also been doing some adobe live sessions as well haven't you i did do a couple of little lives with the one and only flynn tracy they were quite nerve-wracking to be honest oh really yeah he he tends to do that to people no i don't think it was flynn i think it was just the like situation (laughs) it was Maybe the topic I chose to delve into because I did uh, two sessions on brand exploration and presentation and I just went into the behind the scenes of um, a brand ID that I did for a friend of mine who runs a queer comedy um, production called Queer Table Reads. Um, And I think I was just like, oh, I'm being really vulnerable here. I'm really just putting all my stuff on show. And then seeing the timer on the screen of how much time I had left, I'm like, I just need to hurry up. I don't know. It was really fun though. It was good. And I think stuff like that, because basically what I did was I went through the process that I go through for small brand jobs like that of coming up with ideas and then sort of like testing them out and seeing if they work on posters and social media tiles and things like that, you know, the places that they'll eventually have to live having done a bit of freelancing in other agencies now, it's like, no, everyone does this. This is cool. This is good. This is this is nice. It's nice to know that I'm on the right track here. But then also putting that into a presentation. And that one in particular, because she was a friend of mine and she's a comedian and it was in the theatre space. It was quite a theatrical presentation. So just kind of writing in that sense and talking about how you tailor your presentations and stuff to, to that. So... I chose to do that because I think that I don't know who was watching, but I'd hope that if anyone really struggles with that sort of stuff, that it would be helpful because I know that even myself to this day, still every time I put together a presentation, I'm like, is this right? I don't know if sharing is caring with that stuff. And I think I've been really lucky to learn from people who have been really generous with what they've learned from other people. So again, pass the baton. I thought they were really good. I thought it came across as, uh, just two people who know each other sitting sitting down and sort of going through the process and just it was very relaxed and really informative i i really enjoyed them it's it's been good to see them do different things apart from maybe just using the software i guess to to sort of go into more detail about the actual process yeah i did feel a little bit out of my depth in that sense cuz i'm like i'm not a techie person like i'm not going to come in here and be like here's how you I don't even have an example because I'm not that person. But that's what was so great because it was kind of like really practical. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Do you know what I mean? And I'm a Virgo. I love practical things. And it was like, it kind of felt like you could actually learn from it. Sometimes things are very lofty. You didn't feel like that. It was good. Oh, thank you. And I loved the project. I thought it was so fun. Your walk is always like, it's got a really unique point of view. And I like to say it's like 
uniquely obvious. It's like a simple get every time. And I, yeah, I just thought it was, it was great. Thank you so much. I was really trying to, I was struggling with how to describe your work because I was going through your, your new website, which we need to talk about. And yeah, I was coming up with the same sort of things. It was like, it, it's not that it's necessarily unique. It's just no one else has done it or no one else is doing it. Um, and you know, the, the one that really made me laugh was the, the melancholy zine, which, which for all the listeners, um, it's, it's a zine that is basically about you taking melons around to places on streets and stuff and taking pictures of them, <laughs> which I just loved. And it made perfect sense to me. And I just kind of, I looked at it, I was like, yes, that makes perfect sense. But I couldn't, couldn't kind of work out why it made perfect sense. That's no reason. It doesn't have to have a reason. It just felt right. It's actually something, you know, I know I wrote that I did this during the 2020 lockdown, but it's an idea that I've had for years. Right. And I've, you know, mentioned it in passing to people for years. And I finally, in the lockdown, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go buy some melons and walk <laughs> around with them, put them on the road, on the grass, you know, in the gutter, on the wheelie bin, in the bathtub, take photos of them. And I haven't had it printed yet. It will get printed eventually. I just, you know, I'm calling it a zine, even though it's not been printed. But I, I love the fact that you credited the melons and the supermarket where you bought them. <laughs> of course. You can't, you know, you, it's no show without the stars. <laughs> so talk, talk to us about the, the website. That looks, it looks like the beginnings of a studio website. <laughs> Does it? Oh my God, that's daunting. I mean, look, I think the website I had before this was a really nice transition period between um, me being at Christopher Doyle & Co and going out on my own. And it really served that purpose for me when I was in that zone of figuring out what I was doing. Now I'm in that spot of bringing in a lot more of, you know, my own client base. I really wanted to change it up because I, you know, I'm so proud and so grateful for all the work that I've done as part of the City and Co team. But I'm starting to do a lot of work that I'm really proud of that's on my own. So I did want to kind of make that, make that little step a little bit further away and give it a bit of a revamp. So it wasn't like a totally new website. It was like a facelift. It was also a good opportunity to just muck around with code and learn a few different things and get that live. I wouldn't say it's the start of a studio website. Look how scared I am of labels. I'm like, don't do it to me. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on pushing it. So then you, you credit me one day as like, well, I started the studio because Matt just wouldn't stop. No, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's something that, is absolutely potential in the future, but you heard it here first. <laughs> I am in no rush. I'm enjoying where I'm at at the moment. I'm enjoying who I'm working with at the moment. And yeah, I think if last year taught me anything, it's that everything can change so quickly. And I just want to be able to kind of like, create a little bit of an environment for myself where I'm enjoying what I'm doing, enjoying the people I'm doing it with and not kind of doing any more than that. Like not that I'm doing the bare minimum. I just, it doesn't have to be too complicated. Do you have, so now that you're on your own and um, you've spoken about your chronic illness, do you now have with your clients, is there a bit of um, a, a kind of a checklist when you're taking on jobs now? Cause like your time is particularly important. So, like, is there a process that goes into that? Yeah, there is in a way. I think the first thing I look at is how much 
time something might take. So whether someone needs whole chunk, like whole days of mine, or whether it's like a project that I can split it, split across days and do in amongst my other things that I've got on, you know, I've got my own contracts that I had help writing up and I've got really rigid terms around my contact hours and clauses around my, you know, availability when it comes to illness and things like that. So I just make sure that that's all cool with people before we kind of sign on things together. And, you know, there's been times where, whether it's freelancing for agencies where people, for example, I was only doing three days a week in agencies maximum, wasn't doing any more than that. Um, That was just my availabilities, Mondays to Wednesdays, both because I physically can't do more than that. Um, And also because I had other work on, so I just needed to kind of strike that balance somewhere. Um, And whenever it cropped up in conversation, you know, the first few times that happened, I I'd get really nervous and I'd be like, oh, they want me to work more days. Like, what am I going to do? And then I'd just like take a rhythm and reply and be like, nope, these are my terms. Like, that's it. And if they weren't cool with it, then that's fine. But if they were, then great. Like, onward. I'm so curious about this because like I, I listened to your talk and I was like, have you always been really good at setting boundaries? Like recently I did this Google Rare sort of leadership academy thing and a lot of the modules were, were around like boundaries and worth and all that really tough stuff. Um, And I realized that I really do, and something that you touched on as well in that talk, measure yourself or myself through my career. So I was just wondering, I know boundary setting is really hard for me. Is it hard for you? Has it always been? And was there a process in that? I've not always been good at setting boundaries. I think boundaries has been one of those terms in the last couple of years. It's just come much more commonly known and respected. Um... I do think it can be overused sometimes, which is a whole other conversation. I think it's really important to kind of evaluate where you're at and what you need and where your wiggle room is as well, because I don't think that you can be too rigid with it. I don't know. That's where I'm at the moment anyway. I'm not being too rigid with it, but there are some things that I'm like, you know what, I can afford to be rigid with this one but that one I really care about so I'm gonna kind of like maybe bend the rules a little bit there and the rules being my rules being made up all rules made up so I'm just kind of like it's all a bit give and take but you know I didn't used to be very good at setting boundaries like I would work on weekends if I needed to and would cancel plans without mentioning and that I had them and things like that and you know, when I first started to kind of get unwell, I I would talk about it a lot because I've always been quite open about that because I just am that person. But I wasn't kind of putting in really strict boundaries around work and that. I was also wondering with you as well, like you'd probably get a lot of really good opportunities. That you're like, shit, I really want to do that. And like if something that you really want to do is being offered, but it's potentially not going to suit like some of the setups that you've like the three days and the working from home how do you reconcile that um I have kind of like learned to be okay with letting things go I'm really fortunate that I'm in a position where I do have quite good opportunities come my way and you know it comes back to the boundaries thing a little bit like I'm working late nights and working on weekends my And I I might sound like I'm banging on about it, but my health literally means that I just can't, like I get to a max point of my day and I cannot push on longer than that. Like if I go over by three hours one day, 
it's not like minus three hours the next it might affect me for three weeks you know it's it's quite a big impact on my body if something really good does come along that just doesn't work then as disappointing it is as it is sometimes I just have to you know say no like I had I was really lucky to have quite a good few interviews and chats about various roles and jobs and um they were all full-time and you know I raised the idea of them potentially being part-time but again it's just not something that I think our industry or any industry really is quite set up for or prepared to change yet but in saying that I feel like when I do turn down good things it's like I get really good little nuggets of things that I really enjoy working on that do work for me like I've recently did a really cool tiny little project with Future Super and it was just really fun and nice to do. That came to me through Amanda Gordon who used to be at the For the People studio. So that was just like a nice word of mouth one and that was just really fun to work on. And it's just been really nice because I've just find that I used to be scared of I guess shooting myself in the foot with being too upfront about what I need. But if people leave because of that that I'm just like wasn't meant to be that's fine. It wouldn't have felt good anyway. Like it wouldn't have been a good thing. It would have felt bad. It would have felt draining. So I just try and kind of take that. And I, I've gotten very used to just having to cop things on the chin and say goodbye to things because my health determines so much of that. So I think it was um, Kat from Frost who talked about the idea of that being able to say no actually opens you up to other things you could say yes to. Yeah. I really resonate with that. I think, um, to get an, an extra layer of, you know, transparent here. I'm very aware of how burned out I was at CBN Co working on Spotify. And this was quite a widely known thing within the studio amongst us all with the client as well. I love everyone we worked with there, like such a beautiful client to work with. Um, but it was just the beast of the work. Like it was just so much work constantly. And, you know, in my last six months to a year working at CD Co, I'd basically shifted to only working on Spotify, which wasn't something I was loving. I really miss working on all the small brand work and I had essentially become a bit of a project manager, which, you know, I voiced my opinion about that to Chris, as you could probably imagine. I'm a very, if I've got an opinion, you'll hear it. Although I was working on, you know, from the outside, what looked like really cool projects, it was draining and it was a lot of work and I'm very aware of not getting myself into a similar position. So it's why I'm kind of like really not rejecting the idea of going there. I'm just really taking my time with it and kind of, you know, turning down certain things because they, they're too soon and too similar. Um, yeah, understandable. To that. Well, this has been such a great chat. Before we finish up, is there anything you wanted to kind of shout out and make the audience aware of? No, I did want to mention a project that has recently launched that I'm working on. Myself and fellow chronically ill and disabled artist Amy Clay Mills have recently launched a project called Unsolicited Advice for Unsolicited Advice. It's a um, progression from an exhibition that Amy held last year called Unsolicited Advice. She did an amazing series of textile pieces around the topic so there was a lot of cushions you know with things on them like yoga and cbd oil and things like that but basically a very shared common experience of people with disability and chronic illness is that we we get a lot of unsolicited advice so someone you might meet might find out that you've got endometriosis and they'll be like oh i read a bit about that like have you tried um 
but going vegan is really good for that and like you know things like that so it's 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 a very interesting space to work in and we've kind of got the approach of like we know people mean well but there are more constructive ways to have conversations I just slid into Amy's DMs end of last year and was like love this can we work together on something maybe and then she was like we went for a beer and she's like what do you have in mind and We've got some cool things coming up, but at the moment we've got a survey live that is aimed at chronically ill and disabled people and their loved ones or carers because we want to get as many perspectives on board as possible around the topic of unsolicited advice. So it's very niche in that sense. The URL is unsolicited-advice.co. Please go and do the survey if you are in that camp of people. Yes, if you fit that profile or know someone who does, please send them that way. Thank you to Josie for that incredibly honest and open look into her working life. Please go and check out her work at her new site, josieyoung.co, and find her talk at Adobe Max 2021 by going to max.adobe.com. And that's it from us this episode. Tune in next time to hear us talking to Chris Andrew Small, an artist and designer, ex-designer, more of an artist full-time these days. It's a great chat, and like this one, it goes into many areas you're not expecting. Thanks to Samita for being my co-host and thank you to the audience for listening. If you've got any feedback, catch us at hello at ausdesignradio.com and if you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. You'd be surprised how much those little stars really help other people find us. Until next time, stay safe and look after each other.